Hi, everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Welcome back, everyone, to God's Plan, Your Part. Today, we are trekking along with Joshua here. We are in chapters 9 through 11. And in these chapters, we are seeing a lot of instances of uh, wars and overcoming nations that are trying to rise up against Israel. Uh, We see some deception uh, in some individuals who encounter the Israelites out of fear of their own destruction. And um, yeah, Ryan, there's lots going on here. What is sticking out to you first and foremost? I think the, the Gibeonites is so interesting. So the deception got you. <laughs> the, the deception is interesting to me. So there is this this small kingdom of Gibeonites um, that are basically like, okay, listen, these Israelites are just going crazy. They are overtaking everybody. We are definitely going to get overtaken as well. We need to figure out how to trick them. And so they come up with this plan of just like looking worn out. Mm-hmm. And they strike a covenant with Israel. Um, but they say some interesting things. Because, like, like, a natural question is, like, I thought all these people were devoted to destruction. How come they're fine? Well, interesting thing. Uh, in the very beginning of the chapter, I actually stopped, which more than likely is getting cut out of this. But <laughs> <laughs> I stopped reading because I was like, oh, my gosh. So, in the beginning of chapter 9, it talks about um, all of these people beyond the Jordan in the hill country. Uh, let's see, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, they heard about the success of the Israelites, right? And it says they gathered together as one to fight against Joshua and Israel. And I stopped and was like, wow, it's not even just one nation now. Like they are like joining forces because they are in fear of the Israelites. However, the Gibeonites are not included in that. Yeah. That group. So that is interesting too. Yeah, so we have seen before where God gives them rules when they enter into the land. He said, like, God basically tells them, like, when you go into the land and you come against the city, you need to allow them to, like, surrender. But if they don't, they're devoted to destruction. Mm -hmm. So it's like surrender and serve God or be devoted to destruction. The Gibeonites are not super convincing in that they definitely want to serve God. It seems like they definitely want to live more than they want to serve God, but that's okay. Um, And so they, they trick the Israelites... Uh, it seems like they are tricked because they did not ask counsel from the Lord. That's chapter 9, verse 14. Um, and they strike a covenant with them. So a covenant is like no small thing. You cannot break that. Mm-hmm. And so the, another interesting thing that happens is that they are cursed. Um, that is verse 23. But they're cursed to be woodcutters and water drawers for the house of God, which is interesting because the people that What's work in that the house for? of God... Yeah, it's for, like, the sacrificial Uh system. It's, like, burning the sacrifices and pouring the the water on things. Which is also interesting, too, because how much of a ministry does that become to those people? Exactly. And it's, it's like, a curse to serve in ministry. Yeah. What if that's a curse on my life? Um, (laughs) It is is worth noting that, actually, it, it does say that they're cursed, but they end up serving in the sacrificial system, which puts them very close to the Lord. Um. We might be reading into that. I don't know, but yeah, it's there. It's cool. Um, and and they live at peace. Then they live at peace with the people of Israel as part of the yeah. people of Israel. Something I thought was hilarious. I actually, when I taught third grade, 
this was part of our Bible curriculum. This is one of our like first oh, yeah. stories that we would that we would learn about. So when I started reading, I was like, oh my gosh, here we are. Uh, but something hilarious is uh, you do hear the words crumbly two times, which I never thought I would hear in the Bible, but there they are. Uh, but it's so interesting to me that they just like, they feel like they're so sneaky. And I don't know what it is about this like sneakiness within these stories. Like we feel like we can trick God or we can trick um, I mean, God's chosen leader of his people. It's just, it's funny to me. Um, but it just makes them seem so childlike. I don't know. We anyway, do that. We yeah. do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it's very interesting to me that they're like these neighbors that realize they are, they're going to be wiped away if they don't make this, this covenant soon. Um, but then what's also really interesting is that Joshua, that chosen leader that I was just talking about, doesn't really take the time to ask God or to, like, counsel with God, is this an this is this a good idea for us to take these people under our wing? Um, and just kind of goes with it. So that's a little weird to me, too. Poor Joshua. I feel bad for him. I feel like he got the short end of the stick <laughs> with leadership duties. I don't know. Moses had a tough time, too. Yeah, but he's not out there like literally wiping people away left and right every single day. So this is just a regularly scheduled reminder that these passages are intense. Like like when we read it, it feels like Josh, Joshua and the people are just like sweeping across the land, just wiping people out. The language is extreme. Like no one was left breathing. Mm-hmm. I know. I heard that too. Like, ugh, gross. The problem is we will hear from these subgroups of people again in Judges, and then in later passages. And so, just a reminder that maybe there's hyperbole here, that all these people were not, in fact, wiped out. Um, it's odd. And and it's important to, like, read for yourself and try to understand for yourself what is going on here. Because these people show up again, which means they're not completely gone. Um, and they do end up being a snare for the Israelites in the future. And so it, I heard a guy recently talking about like sometimes when you watch a football game and you're like, man, the Steelers got killed, which happens way too often lately. Um, mm. They did not, in fact, get killed. They, they just were defeated. Uh, I think that's a stretch. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I think there is some extreme language in here um, simply because they do show up again. Uh, but the idea is God is allowing his people to take over the land, take possession of these cities, and the people are being judged for their sin. And so we see that happening. It, to me, feels like that is what the majority of the reading is today. Well, one of the interesting conquests, I guess you can call it, in chapter 10, the sun actually stands still. Yeah, how about which that? Which is bonkers. Uh, I think I kind of just like glossed over that one and was like, oh, wait, like that's pretty significant. Uh, so there's lots of different takes on this. There's lots of different people who have tried to explain this. It does appear like there is a miracle recorded here that the sun stood still. It's always funny to me how certain we scratch our heads over certain miracles, but not other ones. So like we just read that the Jordan River stopped flowing completely. And we're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But when it's like the sun stood still, it's like, well, I don't know. Is, could that actually happen? I think I'm equally surprised in like, yeah? in awe. Yes. It's just funny. Cause like, I, I think I'm numb to some of it sometime. I'm like, well, yeah, that happened, but I don't know <laughs> about that one. Um, so yeah, the, the sun stood still so they could finish the conquest and finish the judgment on the people. 
Um, and they ultimately take over the land. That's what is being recorded that the Israelites are finally taking possession of the promised land. So that's what we see happening in these passages. Jenny, what do you think a good your part would be? Oh, brother. Well, so what would you say is a good your part for today's episode? Uh, this is a tough one. Actually, as a matter of fact, we cut it <laughs> and try to decide what we're going to talk about. Um, I think maybe this is, this could be one of those like real stretches again, guys. So sorry about this, but chapter nine, verse 14, um, that they did not ask counsel from the Lord mm. and Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them. It is so important that we are submitted to God's will, um, in the decisions that we make. And it is so important that we're actually talking to God about the things that we do. Um, they did not do this in this instance, and they end up allied with people who are very deceitful in this instance. Well, you know what's interesting, too, is like I think sometimes we we go, and I don't actually I don't think this, I know this, we go based off of or make decisions based off of feelings a lot of the time. And who's to say that like feelings weren't, a part of this where like they didn't actually consult God at all. And it was just like, well, this seems like the right move. This seems like what we should be doing right now. When in actuality, they, they didn't consult the Lord to know that this, like how many other times have we heard Joshua, Moses say like, the Lord told me this. And now here we are just like, well, okay, sure. Why not? I, it stuck out to me, like, even just reading it, it feels like the pace picks up. And they're like, okay, fight them, fight them, fight yeah. them. Yeah. So I, I do wonder if it was like, great, we don't have to fight them. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Or more people <laughs> on our side. Yeah. It's kind of weird. And it, it's worth noting that the, the author wanted to make sure that we understand that they didn't consult the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that is not a good practice. Because mm-hmm. it's easy to get into also. Yeah. And we'll actually ultimately see that over and over again, won't we? Yes. Like, rejection of god just like going based off of external successes uh the book of judges is going to say over and over and over that people did what was right in their own eyes and that is essentially what's being said here they Mm -hmm. did not ask counsel from the lord they did what was right in Mm -hmm. their own eyes so don't do that (laughs) that is my directive for the podcast today uh if you're facing major decisions pray about it like consult the lord talk to the lord you can actually consult other people who are wise and have relationship Mm -hmm, with the lord mm -hmm. to kind of make sense of the decisions that you're making Um, because obviously here in joshua chapter 9 consulting the lord is seen as important so we'll see you again tomorrow Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our take on God's word. Stick around and listen to the word uh, on the second part of the podcast. Before we get in there, uh, we just want to remind you, you can connect with us at any time on social media and YouTube at God's plan, your part. Also, we are a listener supported podcast. So if you ever want to help us out with the ministry that we're doing, uh, you can do that by clicking the link in our description. And now here's the reading for today. Joshua chapter nine. As soon as all the kings who were beyond the Jordan in the hill country and in the low land all along the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites heard of this, they gathered together as one to fight against Joshua and Israel. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they, on their part, acted with cunning and went and made ready provisions, and took worn-out sacks for their donkeys, and wineskins, worn-out and torn and mended, with worn-out patches, sandals on their feet, and worn-out clothes, 
and all their provisions were dry and crumbly. And they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant country, so now make a covenant with us. But the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you live among us. Then how can we make the covenant with you? They said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you, and where do you come from? They said to him, From a very distant country which your servants have come, because the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard a report of him, and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon the king of Heshbon, and to Og king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country said to us, Take provisions in your hand for the journey, and go to meet them, and say to them, We are your servants. Come now, make a covenant with us. Here is our bread. It was still warm when we took it from our houses as our food for the journey on the day that we set out to come to you. But now, behold, it is dry and crumbly. These wineskins were new when we filled them, and behold, they have burst. And these garments and sandals of ours are worn out from the very long journey. So the men took some of their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them, and made a covenant with them, and let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. At the end of three days, after they had made a covenant with them, they heard that they were their neighbors, and that they lived among them. And the people of Israel set out and reached their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Chephirah, Beeroth, and Kiriath-Jerim. But the people of Israel did not attack them, because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Then all the congregation murmured against the leaders. But all the leaders said to the congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we may not touch them. This we will do to them. Let them live, lest wrath be upon us, because of the oath that we swore to them. And the leaders said to them, Let them live. So they became cutters of wood and drawers of water for all the congregation, just as the leaders had said of them. Joshua summoned them, and he said to them, Why did you deceive us, saying, We are very far from you, when you dwell among us? Now therefore you are cursed, and some of you shall never be anything but servants, cutters of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. They answered Joshua, Because it was told to your servants for a certainty that the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. So we feared greatly for our lives because of you and did this thing. And now, behold, we are in your hand. Whatever seems good and right in your sight to do to us, do it. So he did this to them and delivered them from out of the hand of the people of Israel and did not kill them. But Joshua made that day cutters of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord to this day in the place that he should choose. As soon as Adonai Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai and had devoted it to destruction, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, he feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were warriors. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent Hoam, king of Hebron, to Piram, king of Jarmuth, to Japhia, king of Lachish, and to Debir, the king of Iglon, saying, 
Come up to me and help me, and let us strike Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered their forces and went up with all their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal, saying, Do not relax your hand from your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, and he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal. And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon and struck them as far as Azekah and Makedah. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down from the ascent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Zizekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. At that time Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel, and he said in sight of Israel, Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. So Joshua returned and all Israel with him to camp at Gilgal. These five kings fled and hid themselves in the cave at Makedah. And it was told to Joshua the five kings had been found hidden in the cave at Makedah. And Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave, and set men by to guard them. But do not stay there yourselves. Pursue your enemies, attack the rear guard. Do not let them enter their cities, for the Lord your God has given them into your hand. When Joshua and the sons of Israel had finished striking them with a great blow, until they had been wiped out, and when the remnant that remained of them had entered into fortified cities, then all the people returned safe to Joshua in the camp at Mechda. Not a man moved his tongue against any of the people of Israel. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me from the cave. And they did so and brought those five kings out to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Iglon. And when they brought those kings out to Joshua, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and said to the chiefs of the men of war who had gone with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. Then they came near and put their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous. For thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterwards Joshua struck them and put them to death, and he hanged them on five trees. And they hung on the trees until evening. But at the time of the going down of the sun, Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees and threw them into the cave where they had hidden themselves. And they set large stones against the mouth of the cave, which remains there to this day. As for Makeda, Joshua captured it on that day and struck it and its king with the edge of the sword. He devoted it to destruction every person in it. He left none remaining, and he did to the king of Makeda just as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua and all Israel with him passed on from Makeda to Libna and fought against Libna. And the Lord gave it also and its king into the hand of Israel. And he struck it with the edge of the sword and every person in it. 
He left none remaining in it, and he did to its king as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua and all Israel with him passed on from Libna to Lachish, and laid siege to it and fought against it. And the Lord gave Lachish into the hand of Israel, and he captured it on the second day, and struck it with the edge of the sword and every person in it as he had done to Libna. Then Horam king of Gezer came up to help Lachish, and Joshua struck him and his people until he had none remaining. Then Joshua and all Israel with him passed on from Lachish to Eglon, and they laid siege to it and fought against it. And they captured it on that day and struck it with the edge of the sword. And he devoted every person in it to destruction that day, as he had done to Lachish. Then Joshua and all Israel with him went up from Eglon to Hebron. And they fought against it and captured it and struck it with the edge of the sword. And the king and its towns and every person in it. He left none remaining as he had done to Eglon, and devoted it to destruction and every person in it. Then Joshua and all Israel with him turned back to Debir and fought against it, and he captured it with its king and its towns. And they struck them with the edge of the sword and devoted to destruction every person in it. He left none remaining, just as he had done to Hebron and to Libna and its king. So he did to Debir and its king. So Joshua struck the whole land, the hill country and the Geb and the lowland and the slopes and all their kings. He left none remaining, but devoted to destruction all that breathed just as the Lord God of Israel commanded. And Joshua struck them from Kadesh Barnea as far as Gaza, and all the country of Goshen as far as Gibeon. And Joshua captured all these kings and their land all at one time, because the Lord, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to camp at Gilgal. When Jabin, the king of Hazor, heard this, he sent to Jobab, the king of Madon, and the king of Shimron, and to the king of Ashvath, and to the kings who were in the northern hill country, and in Arabah the south of Chinneroth, and in the lowland, and in Naphtdor on the west, to the Canaanites in the east and the west, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites in the hill country, and the Hivites under Hermon in the land of Mizpah. And they came out with all their troops, a great horde in number like sand that is on the seashore, with very many horses and chariots. And all these kings joined their forces and came and encamped together at the waters of Merom, to fight against Israel. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, for tomorrow at this time I will give over all of them, slain to Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So Joshua and all his warriors came suddenly against them by the waters of Miram and fell upon them. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Israel, who struck them and chased them as far as great Sidon and Mizpoth Maim, and eastward as far as the valley of Mizpah. And they struck them until he left none remaining. And Joshua did to them just as the Lord said to him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. And Joshua turned back at that time and captured Hazor and struck its king with the sword, for Hazor formerly was the head of all those kingdoms. And they struck with the sword all who were in it, devoting them to destruction. There was none left that breathed, and he burned Hazor with fire. And all the cities of those kings and all their kings Joshua captured and struck them with the edge of the sword, devoting them to destruction, just as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded. But none of the cities that stood on the mounds did Israel burn, except Hazor alone that Joshua burned. And all the spoil of these cities and the livestock and the people of Israel took for their plunder. But every person they struck with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them, and they did not leave any who breathed, just as the Lord had commanded Moses his servant. So Moses commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all the Lord had commanded Moses. 
So Joshua took all that land, the hill country of the Negev, and all the land of Goshen, the lowland and Arabah, the hill country of Israel and its lowland, from Mount Halak, which rises towards Seir, as far as Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon, below Mount Hermon. And he captured all their kings, and struck them and put them to death. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. There was not a city that made peace with the people of Israel except the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon. They took them all in battle. For it was the Lord's doing to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, in order that they should be devoted to destruction and should receive no mercy but be destroyed, just as the Lord commanded Moses. And Joshua came at that time to cut off Anakim from the hill country, from Hebron, from Debir, from Anab, from the hill country of Judah, and from the hill country of Israel. Joshua devoted them to destruction with their cities. There was none of Anakim left in the land of the people of Israel. Only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod did some remain. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had spoken to Moses. And Joshua gave it for an inheritance to Israel according to the tribal allotments, and the land had rest from war. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.